Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Good morning. Thank you for responding. I appreciate that. Not too long ago, I was reading one of my favorite theological discussion sites on the Internet. I don't remember which one, but I do remember what was being discussed. An Islamic person was criticizing Christians because, as this person wrote, quote, Jesus never said that he was God, unquote. Of course, that's not really true, but he was gaining a lot of traction, and actually some folks in this thread, in this discussion, were unable to respond to his allegations. There's a reason I do my best to not argue or debate with people anymore. Mark Twain once wrote, Never argue with a fool. He will drag you down to his level and then beat you with experience. And it is amazing how Mark Twain was predicting the Internet years ahead of his time. The truth is, that there were people 2,000 years ago who were saying the same things about Christ, that he is not God because he didn't say he was God. And nowadays, that is something that Islamic and Jewish, modern neo-pagans, and even some Christians will allege about Christ, that he was just a good man or a good teacher, but he was not divine. Does anyone here remember my sermon a few weeks ago? I had mentioned in that sermon that St. Matthew wrote his gospel for his mixed community of both Jewish and Gentile converts. One example of this is how Matthew never explains cultural details because he believed that everyone was so familiar with first-century Jewish culture that he apparently never thought he needed to explain these things. And today's Gospel reading is a great example of this. The passage starts immediately after Jesus fed 5,000 men, women, and children with five loaves and two fish. After Christ fed the 5,000, he instructs his disciples to get into a boat and cross the lake they were next to, while Jesus sends the crowds of people he just fed back to their homes. And it was the end of the day. Once the crowd was gone, Jesus went to pray while on a mountainside. His disciples who were in the boat, they were doing as they had been instructed, and they were now far away from the land. The original text in Matthew reads, Stadius Pulus, or many stadia, away from the land. A stadia was about an eighth of a mile in today's English measurements. So the disciples were at least a mile, maybe two, maybe three, uh, away from Jesus on the shore. This boat trip is not a vacation cruise. The boat was being rocked by the waves, being whipped up by the wind. The scripture mentions it was during the, quote, 
fourth watch of the night. That's Roman, Jewish, Byzantine time reckoning. The fourth watch was between about four in the morning to about six in the morning. It was still night. Make no doubt about that. But the dark was about to end. For as John wrote in his gospel, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not comprehend it. The darkness of the world that the disciples were living in was about to end. At that time, Jesus starts walking out to the boat that was around a mile or more away from the shore and was being rocked by the winds. The disciples in that boat were terrified. And then they saw this figure walking to them on the water. Their terrified minds thinks it must be a ghost. Jesus was not trying to scare them. And our English text reads Jesus saying, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. The English text says, It is I. And that makes perfect grammatical sense in English. But do you know what? That is not what Matthew wrote. Matthew wrote that Jesus says, Ego ima, I am. Some of you know this about Greek, so please forgive me for belaboring this point. But what is unusual with what Matthew wrote is that if you have a simple sentence in Greek, then you do not need to write the subject in the sentence. The verb contains both the action being done as well as the meaning from the noun that would be in the sentence. You do not need to have Jesus saying two words here. As an example, if my lovely wife asked in Greek, if I took out the trash yesterday, I could answer, Ekana. I did. One word. But Jesus did not write just one word. He could have written that Jesus simply said, Emi. But that is not what Matthew wrote. Instead, Matthew has Christ saying, I am. Notice that the disciples were not even asking who this figure was. They were certain this figure was a ghost. But instead, Matthew has Christ saying, I am. I am. To a first century Jew, that meant only one thing. But because we're not first century Jews, we do not understand what Matthew is telling us. I am is the Lord. From the first time the Lord introduces himself to Abram in Genesis 15, fear not, I am thy shield. To when Moses asked the burning bush the name of the God of his fathers, and the bush replies, I am who I am. The words, I am, is the name God identifies himself with. This is a statement that Jesus Christ is the Lord, the same God the Jews have been waiting for ever since Abram.
And to cement this idea, Christ then tells the disciples, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because in the Old Testament, every time the divine or his angels are in front of his people, he or his messenger has to say, do not be afraid. It's terrifying to be in front of the Lord. Because it is then that we realize just how far away from him we truly are when he draws close to us. We realize then just how small, how weak and insignificant we are when the Lord is in front of us. While we are made in his image, we are very far from being in his likeness. And therefore, we should be terrified. We've probably all heard the saying, actions speak louder than words. Christ does not only say he is God, but now Christ shows them who he truly is. At this point in the gospel reading, Peter wants to join Jesus out on the water. And Jesus says, come. So Peter leaves the boat and walks towards Christ on top of the water. But Peter being Peter and therefore being like each one of us, he gets distracted by the storm and the wind and he starts to sink into the water. Peter cries out to the Lord for help and for rescue. The Lord immediately saves Peter and both Jesus and Peter climb into the boat. The wind dies down immediately. This last detail is important. God is seen as being able to control the forces of nature. After all, he made everything, right? Job describes the Lord in chapter 9, verse 8 as, He above stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. In Psalm 29, which we heard this morning, read so beautifully by Sue, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty water. And finally in Psalm 89, You rule over the surging sea. When its waves stir up, you still them. All these verses point out what God can do, and Jesus does them. It is only after Christ stills the seas that the disciples cry out for the first time in this gospel, Truly, you are the Son of God. Christ did not just say he was Lord. He shows his disciples he is Lord and has the disciples realize it themselves. The disciples understood this now because of the words that Christ used and the actions he completed in front of them. Before, maybe some weren't quite so sure. Now, they know. They are so convinced that they spent their lives, and all except for one, were tortured and executed to tell others this news, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that takes us to our modern times and age. It is the same Jesus Christ we worship now that the disciples worshiped then 
nearly 2,000 years ago. And just like the disciples of that time, we get rocked and buffeted by the storms of life that happen to all of us. The fact is that we need to keep our hearts and our minds, our souls and our bodies, focused on Christ during these storms of life. Peter was fine until he took his focus off Christ. Once he took his mind off Christ and onto his troubles, Peter himself was in trouble. And so, my sisters and brothers in Christ, my prayer is that we not be distracted and afraid, no matter what nonsense the world sends in our direction. It is a fearful thing to be in front of the Lord, and for that reason, he comes to us in the form of bread and wine so that we can more easily approach him and respond to his invitation to be in him and he in us. Amen.